Hello everyone, welcome back to An Evening with Nate, with me Nathan, your host. Today is a bonus episode and a re-recording of this particular segment because um, the first time around I tried to record it, some things went wrong, the audio wasn't very satisfactory, and I took it down upon uploading it. And I should have noticed its imperfections in the editing phase, but I was in a bit of a rush and I did not notice. So today is a re-recording of the Q&A session I did through my Instagram. I will be including my Instagram account in the details of today's episode. Please do follow me if you haven't already yet. So there were some questions and I will respond to some of them, the most intriguing ones, the most interesting ones, and some of the more personal ones I've already responded to in person. So let's start. The first, um, the first ones are from Matthew Ethan and Nicholas Caleb. Both of them asked a similar question. Uh, Your motivation to start your own podcast or or what inspired you to make a podcast? Well, I wanted to create content online and I wanted to go with YouTube originally. But I don't think that I had the time or the equipment needed to create a quality video that suits my expectations because no matter how um, well written my script is, if I mess it up on the post-production phase, I know that it would diminish the quality of the video overall and make it less interesting. Not only that, I already have regular content on my YouTube channel which includes my guitar covers, uh, vocal covers of several songs, and a few original songs that I wrote myself, some in English, some in the Indonesian language. I will also be including including those details on today's bonus episode podcast description. So, having uh, noted these limitations and constraints, I decided that the best alternative would be one where there were no um, video aspects. There were no visual aspects, but a pure audio experience where I can share my thoughts and people would listen. And it was at this moment when I decided that the, the best way to go about this is to create and record my own podcasts. I have to admit I am not an avid listener uh, listener of podcasts, but I do listen to some. Um, I listen to some podcasts, particularly Bill Burr's podcast, Ryan Higa's podcast, and the uh, Nadima Karim, which is the CEO of a, of a company here in Indonesia. He had a podcast, and I listen to it occasionally, but not not much of anything else so i don't have a lot of references to begin with when it comes to podcasting that is why i'm very much 
uh, a newbie at both listening and creating podcasts. So that was my motivation to make content and not have it be uh, a video, instead an audio and something that can reach lots of people through various different medias. Medium. Now, the second question by Rene is, what do you think about head in the clouds, since a lot of people are talking about it? Well, there are two ways that I can interpret this question. Head in the clouds can refer to the album released by the 88 Rising label, the 88 Rising management, It is a compilation of several songs from several different artists under the management of 88 Rising and they specialize on these crossover um, sounds of Asian and Western music, particularly R&B and hip-hop with uh, twists and uh, Asian influences. There are two Head in the Clouds albums. I would say that they're completely average for me. I do not hate them, but there isn't a lot of incentive for me to listen to them over and over again. Not not a very high replay value. I prefer the individual projects of the artists within 88 Rising, such as the EP that Nicki released, uh, Joji's album, Rich Brian's two albums, his newest one is particularly impressive to me. Uh, Higher Brothers and their solo projects and all that. So that's the first interpretation of your question regarding Head in the Clouds. The second is the concert. Because every time they tour and they make a certain concert, they usually name it Head in the Clouds uh, concert in the Clouds tour. And... There will be one in Indonesia soon. Well, regarding my thoughts on that, I think it's great. I think it's a great business move on their part. 88 Rising has a large fan base in Indonesia. Their artists have a large following here in Indonesia to sort of take a break from their US tours and reconsolidate their roots in the Asian market is a good move for them. Especially if you put into consideration that the Asian medium for music streaming, for music consumption, for internet usage is on the rise. You can clearly see it from, for example, the sudden rise of the subscribers of T-Series from India. The whole PewDiePie vs. T-Series thing just a few months ago, just last year. So it's a growing and an ever-expanding market with so many people, so many potential listeners, and I think it's a great move for them to to make a concert here. I'm personally excited. I don't think I'll be able to watch it due to uh, personal matters and several uh, other factors, but I am excited to look for concert recordings, whether they are official or unofficial. Because I have a feeling 2020 will be the year many of these artists release uh, a new project, release new songs, release um, new EPs or LPs. So that would be very much interesting for me. Now, Own Lim and Nicholas Geraldi 
asked similar questions. Owen asked the upsides and downsides of being in university. Meanwhile, Nicholas asked about uh, life after graduating high school. So I've just graduated high school last year. How's life? I think it's pretty much the same. I would argue that I have more free time right now because university has flexible hours. And the best part is probably that I have more allowance at this moment. That I can spend and save more money for emergencies or personal needs. My parents are very uh, generous in that aspect. But reasonably generous. It's just enough for me to go by and just save a little bit. A little bit, a little bit um, for emergencies and whatnot. So it's great. And the upsides of being a university student is that I feel like I meet a larger, uh, a more diverse group of people than I would in high school. So many different people from so many different places, um, experiences, likes, dislikes, worldview, uh, cultural backgrounds, and all that. It's very interesting to coexist in this diverse heterogeneous uh, like group of people and the differences and how it enriches us through um, mutual appreciation and humor it's it's really interesting I do enjoy the courses being taught except maths of course uh, business maths but everything else I think is very interesting I enjoy the lectures, but perhaps the downsides would be that on the actual hectic days there are less hours to sleep compared to high school years and that uh, different with your high school years you don't actually get to form this um, sort of friendly bond with your lectures the same way that I used to with some really really cool really really nice teachers so that's how it is. Um, I hope that answers the questions, uh, Nicholas, uh, Gerald, and Owen Lim. Next would be Irene Sabrina asking, out of all musical instruments, why the saxophone? So, as a little bit of information, I play the saxophone. I'm not very good at it, but I've been playing it for a few years now and I'm a bit comfortable with playing it on stage and all that. I can read musical notes because piano is my background and I can improvise on the down low but very basic um, improvisation, nothing on the jazz solo level quite yet even though I'm, uh, I, I love hearing those type of solos I'm not able to replicate, emulate or create something like that on my own just quite yet. So why the saxophone? It's actually a very simple reason. At the time, I joined this uh, event where they allowed you to try out several instruments, especially woodwind and brasswind. So instruments that you blow. And I, I was torn between the trumpet and the saxophone and the French horn. I crossed out, I ruled out the French horn because it was too expensive and it had limited uses outside of classical music. And I was really interested in trumpet, but the, the, the way you have to adjust your mouth, the technical term would be the embouchure, I think, 
Uh, it, it was pretty frustrating to me at first, and being the quitter and impatient person I am, when I found out that I could um, make the saxophone embouchure much easily, uh, the saxophone mouth position easily, uh, in order to produce sound, I chose the saxophone. And I also chose the saxophone because I love its tone, I love its sound, I love I love jazz as well, and I had hoped that I would be able to play jazz, but as you can see to this point, um, it's still working progress three, four years afterwards. So I hope that answers the question. Jason asks, what are your thoughts on more Netflix movies being nominated for awards, The Irishman, etc., etc.? Well, I think it is a good thing. Well, it shouldn't be a good thing or a bad thing. In fact, I don't think I'm supposed to have an opinion on it because whether or not something is exclusively in a certain platform or not shouldn't affect the quality of it and the awards that it receives. Should those awards be objectively looking at its aesthetics, at its... Um, at its core qualities instead of the external stuff like impressions, sales, uh, merchandise sales, and all that. And despite the many protests of awards such as the Emmys, the Golden Globes, the Oscars, I, I do believe that they still put quite an emphasis on quality at times over sales, even though it is not always so. So I think that it makes sense, it's, it's good, I guess, for more Netflix movies or other streaming services movies to be nominated for awards, but I don't think that whether or not it is on Netflix or not should uh, affect it. On the flip side, however, I can argue that these Netflix exclusive shows have a higher incentive to produce high quality award winning movies than normal blockbuster um, cinema to cinema silver screen movies. Because once something like The Irishman comes up, a movie with significant quality with a great all-star cast and a legendary director like Scorsese shows up as an exclusive in a platform and it wins all those awards, there is a large share of the market that, that now has a reason to subscribe to Netflix and the estimated um, profits that Netflix could gain from it is um, it's 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 hard to imagine, isn't it? Because in this subscription format, then they don't only pay once for one movie, but they pay a monthly fee until they cancel said fee. And usually, once you start your streaming service subscription, you don't stop on a dime. You usually keep it going, and it's so. It's one of those ways that these platform services can establish their 
uniqueness and their competition, uh, competitional uh, competitive advantage. Because now there are as many a streaming service um, platforms as there were movie channels on TV a long time ago. There are so many of them now, and in a market as competitive as this, they need to have their own particular competitive advantages. And to have award-winning movies of the highest quality is certainly an incentive for consumers and customers to move towards them. So, what do I think about it? I think it's good, but not good, um, in not good as in it's good because it's a Netflix movie, but good for Netflix that their hard work is paying off, that their trust in producers is paying off, that their gamble in budgeting and producing some of these movies and making sure that they stay exclusive, uh, it pays off. I think that um, awards should be purely based on the quality of the content. So if next year Netflix or Amazon Prime or Hulu or Disney Plus fails to bring a movie or a show or a series of quality and they don't win anything, well, that's what they deserve. The same way normal filmmakers deserve awards when they make something that is exceptional. Berto asked me, who are your dream guests on the show? So I can uh, directly go for some celebrities at this moment, but I would rather not, and I'd rather give concrete answers. Um, there are two teachers that I would like to invite. The first is Mr. Darren Stoker. He is uh, an Englishman, a Brit, uh, a teacher at the high school from from where I, I graduated. He is um, a movie fan. He is a book fan, he is a music fan, he has this wide range of general knowledge and very interesting takes on several things. He is confident in his own opinions, he formulates them, he's not easily swayed by trends, he has these interesting ways of presenting his opinions, and I enjoy reading his reviews of movies. So I think it would be very interest, interesting to talk to, um, even though he's uh, only a teacher for English lesson. There are times when we can have lengthier conversations, whether it be break times or when he chaperones, uh, chaperones me and my friends as we go to distant schools for a competition and we can have a nice long chat at the car. A very interesting person, a very sincere educator, and a, and a nice guy overall. I would love to have him on the show. And I actually did tease uh, about the possibility of inviting him over. I notified him of the podcast as soon as I made the first episode because uh, that's how much I still remember him, you know, even after spending the past six months already graduating from uh, high school. Uh, the second one is another teacher, Mr. Anga. He, he, he used to teach me history back in high school. 
very interesting guy. He he has helped me a lot. He helps he's helped me do some of the competitions that I did during my high school years. It allowed me to get a, a bunch of achievements and the peak of it all was going to Italy and a big big part of him is uh, a big big part of it a big big part of the trip was Mr. Anga pulling the strings endlessly working to convince people that I am the right person to send and I will always owe that to him I will always owe that to him that aside as a person he's completely chill he's completely cool the uh, even the the rowdiest, the naughtiest, the the bad boys of the batch have learned to respect him because he's a really cool guy, he's a really nice guy. But behind this cool and and nice and chill facade, he's a very intelligent, analytical, logical person. I would say with a very interesting way of observing reality and formulating, synthesizing his uh, opinions and beliefs. It's a very interesting way. It's a very interesting person as well. The third person I would have on this podcast is probably just... um, There are lots of people in, in my current university that I think is interesting. One of them being my good friend Leo, who is now a financially independent at 18 and he has his own business and he even runs others on the side. I don't know, that, that guy is just so cool and I would like to have him on the show sometimes and I don't think it's so far removed from from the possibilities there. It's the possibilities there. Um, next question, Darlene. First of all, this is so inspiring. Please talk about how you started music and your experience. Thank you, Darlene. Well, I started music at the tender age of four. My mother wanted me to learn the piano, and for the first year, I had to join those little kiddie classes where they teach, uh, where they teach us the basics of music and music theory and music notation, and a rhythm, just clap, 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 all those things. And afterwards, I started learning music. Now, the first six, I I guess six to seven years of piano were the heaviest moments of my life, I guess. No, I'm being overdramatic, but they were dark days. I, I hated a majority of those years and um, there were moments where I where where I was so under pressure I was I was so stressed that there were thoughts flying in my head to quit to uh, break the piano and then do a bunch of destructive stuff and bear in mind I was about like nine ten or 11 at this point in time and I guess in retrospect the reason I hated music at that time was that it took time for my playtime first Um, 
Second, um, a lot of the songs at that stage were not really enjoyable to listen to, at least in my opinion, because they focused more on preparing and training your fingers, the, the dexterity of your fingers, the ability to to play softly and and loudly, to control the dynamics of your playing, uh, to harmonize and all that. So those years to me really sucked as far as as music goes. And it all started changing, I guess, the past three or four years when I started finally getting songs or playing songs that I that I, as a child, heard on the CD players. I started learning songs by Chapang, songs by Debussy, um, and as when I learned to enjoy the songs that I play, there, there I discovered that I loved music and I loved performing music, and it sort of helped wash away the this this animosity that. I've piled up and, and stored within me for years and years and years and years and years. So it's about that time, this renaissance, this newly acquired passion for music that I decided I wanted to have a second instrument. And I then learned saxophone and the rest is history. I also learned a few other instruments sort of through YouTube and stuff, but I wouldn't call myself a legit player of those instruments because I am not very good at them. I'm talking about the electric bass, which I am at a very basic level at, and the guitar, which I only know how, which in which I only know some open chords and some basics that I can just use to sing along during during bad days and rainy days. That's sad. Um, yeah, but uh, at this stage, at this point in time, I use music to perform. I usually perform with my band and with the Sound of Phoenix Orchestra in my university, I play at church once in a month, and I make content on YouTube with my very limited guitar skills uh, that I use as accompaniment while I sing. Now, as a person who understands music, I can tell, sort of from the get-go, that the voice I have isn't very suitable for singing. I knew at the start that no matter how well I can hit the notes, I wouldn't be a very good singer. Because, um, sort of, naturally, my voice is a bit high-pitched, a bit nasal. It doesn't have that that wholeness, that, that lowness, and it doesn't even have a rasp. Um, not, not a lot of enjoyable um, things that you usually look for in a person's unique tone and uh, you know the person's color of, of a voice but I still do enjoy singing I sing on the on the down low I I've always enjoyed 
singing, I enjoy writing songs of my own and singing them. And occasionally, if I can muster enough confidence, I can sing on stage. But it's, it's very rare. So that is my musical journey, Darlene. I hope that has been um, informational. I think I spent too long on that. Second, um, second to last question by Adrian, a very close friend of mine. He asked, why are you so empty inside? This is an inside joke between me and the person asking the question. But I guess I have to address it. Because there are times when a person seems to be very much, uh, especially myself, uh, can seem very much bothered, very much, uh, I don't want to use the word, but depressed, as in not feeling well, not, not in the clinical sense, but depressed as in feeling under pressure and sad. Again, I am not self-diagnosing or anything. I am very far away from what the clinical medical terms of the words imply. I'm happy and all that. But what I'm saying is there are times when you don't feel okay. And instead of pushing it down, I've chosen to embrace them. To sort of immediately take a moment to reflect to myself on why I feel the way I do and how I ended up feeling the way I do and what to do next. So that way I don't uh, I don't leave anything behind for later. I address my my anxieties, I address my worries the moment I have them and I immediately try and cope with them if I can't find uh, a practical practical solution to them immediately. So, I uh, there are moments um, when my close friends can see, probably. Uh, moments when I do things that seem to be irrational. Because as social as I am, there are times when I like to absurdly go off on my own and just be alone with my thoughts. So, there are moments when I, when I watch movies alone, when I go on long walks uh, just with myself and my thoughts, or a bit of music on my earphones, if that's the case on that particular time. There are times when uh, I'm with my group of friends and I can be quiet even though it's not my, my habit to be. There are times when the thoughts strike you and instead of pushing them down and leaving them to eat me from the inside for the remainder of the day, I take the moment to recollect myself immediately and it's been great for me doing that. It's been great for me doing that. It's helped me know myself better. It's helped me predict myself better. I know my strengths better. I know my weaknesses better and I know the inevitability of me succumbing to my weaknesses or failing to maximize on my strengths. I know that my imperfections would get the best out of my self-awareness. And that self that self the self-awareness of that is very helpful in uh, forgiving yourself 
whenever you mess up and rewarding yourself whenever you do something even though it's not quite as as well as you expect it to be i hope that hadn't gotten too convoluted sometimes the words make sense in my head and the moment i speak them they become this code and crypt and this this riddle that people can't get through that sometimes i even fail to understand when i go back and listen to it um final question of the day why is school so shitty or if i can censor it for the kids why is school so dumb uh, even though i don't think that symbolizes the same meanings well i think school is very far from it and we all have gotten to a point where we have had enough of school but personally in the past 5 or 6 years especially after i graduated elementary school i never uh, thought of staying home as an option i never uh, in my head wished that i did not attend school that day because i've always disliked the subjects or the teachers uh in certain cases in certain contexts but never in school as an entirety i think school is great i have been fortunate enough to um to fit in without having to be popular without having to deal with drama or any shenanigans just the average person that has a few close friends that knows just about everyone that does things normally has his own interests has his own niche and um it's a pretty safe sort of social life for me in high school i enjoyed it so to me there's always this balance that when things aren't looking well with friends i have supportive teachers i have myself uh, and things weren't working out with my grades i have my friends uh, and all that so perhaps your reservation about school is how it drills you to learn everything at this given time and you have so little break times and so little freedom but i have learned to miss school and I, the same goes for a lot of my friends because among those uh gruesome and tiring 7 8 hours you establish bonds with people you never thought you would friendships understanding sympathy empathy all those things i developed and some of those bonds exist today the friendships persevere and they persist and when you have friends like that even the hardest exams don't really matter that much cuz if you can do it you can do it if you can't you laugh about it together and you move on to the next day and then again i've never been much of an academician myself so if you're dealing with the pressures of having to get high scores and you're bothered by bad scores well you have to work and study harder than you usually do then um 
I guess that addresses it. So school is not shitty. It does not suck. School is one of the greatest points of my life. I hope. I guess. I believe. Because there are so many aspects of school that can be good and can go bad. But for me, it's been fortunate. I've been fortunate enough that when some things go bad, the other end of the spectrum are filled with good. And it's been this constant yin-yang balance of some sort. That covers today's Q&A. And I hope the audio quality has improved to the levels that I had planned them to be. I will be including uh, more of my personal details and my social media on this episode's description. Please be sure to add them, to follow them. If you can see my YouTube, subscribe to them because it's been very interesting for me to do this and to reach new people and new listeners. I thank you for your time. This has been a bonus episode of An Evening with Nate.